all bad things. Tragedy. Tragedies, disasters. That's bad things. Trigger warning for everything possible. What? <laughs> I'm Rachel. I'm David. And this is All Bad Things. I say again. Yes. <laughs> because this is the first time we have straight up started from scratch on an episode. After recording, well, we didn't Almost do... Almost two hours we recorded. We did, but we did not do the full story. <laughs> no, we didn't. We didn't finish, and that's why we decided to stop and re-record. It was not going well. Just, I feel like I was not explaining things well. Um, we'll kind of get into it a little bit more as we go into the episode, um, especially as we introduce it. But, uh, yeah, so this is take two. Yes. <laughs> Try this. again. Yes. I believe it's the first time we've ever redone. I think, so. I think we have think never so. done this before. Yeah. So if you, uh. We made it 107 episodes. <laughs> if you want the, uh, what would it be? Um. The outtake version? Uh, I was, I was thinking the musical sense. What, what am I trying to say? The, uh. Yeah, the demo. If you want oh, the okay. if you want the demo tape, <laughs> no, uh, nobody wants the demo tape. We'll we'll accept uh, bids for it. No, we won't. On our Twitter feed. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> um, happy birthday, Abby. Yes, happy birthday. Ah, you are going right. to be twenty three. Wow. Yeah, she's <laughs> baby. Yeah, you got so much life to live. So much, so much. But she appreciates and, validation, and, you, and we validate her. And I would I would suggest living it. Somewhere outside of Alabama. <laughs> unless, unless you enjoy it there. If you do, judging by your Twitter feed, you don't. <laughs> yeah, it's not sounding like it. So, But uh, she's in school, so maybe after that's school. That's true. Yeah, come to North Carolina. Yeah, super fun. Um, what are you drinking today? I am having Tonight. the uh, Flying Dog Raging Bitch Belgian IPA. <laughs> yeah, that one's... It's an 8.3. I never realized how kind of obscene the artwork is. Well, I think There's it's a... There's a lot that's obscene on that. Well, I think it's a play... I think all of their artwork is a play on, um, like, the guy who used to do Hunter S. Thompson's illustrations. It's a little disturbing. Yeah, it's a little weird. That's what I like about it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is weird I can handle. There, there, are, there are certain types of weird that I, I can't go. I am drinking the super... Millennial Avocado Toast Beer. Yeah, can I have you tried it? No, I haven't. Okay. By Bombshell out oh, of that's Holly right. Springs. It is Bombshell. It says it pairs well... Well, okay. A continuously avocadoed ale brewed with Munich malt and filtered through student loan payments for a smooth, <laughs> bready, toasty body. Pairs well with secondhand clothes and the trophy everyone gets. Hashtag hold my avocado. Nice. <laughs> all right, let me try it. I like their snark. It's all over the can. I don't know yeah. what I was expecting, but that's actually really good. I honestly do not know what to expect of this. Let me see. It, uh, it, it tastes really good. I like it. Wow, that is good. Isn't it? It's kind of it's sweet. It's very yeasty, but a little sweet. Yeah. But not in a bad way. Not no. overly sweet. But that's the avocado. I would really? never have yeah. guessed that avocado would taste good in a beer, but well done, Bombshell. That's yes. good. Well, they make plenty of good beers. They do. Mm-hmm. We've, uh, we've, we've, uh pushed them on our podcast before i believe i think so i think we yeah, plugged probably. them plug them P- push them. them. <laughs> drink bombshell yeah. 
plugged, demo tape, pushed. <laughs> We're being all. Uh, I think the eight percenters are already kicking in. I think so. They're both. This is an eight percenter too. Oh, is it? Yes, oh, okay. It is. Mine, mine's an eight point three. Oh wow. Okay. Yes. Are we ready? Yeah, let's just get into it because this is a. Yeah, uh, this is going to take a while. Yeah. I've shortened it, but it's still going to take a while. So. We know clearly what this is, um, and so do you guys because of the title, Um, but this is The Love Parade Disaster. So on July 24th, I'm going to plug that later, 2010, Masha? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Okay. On July 24th, 2010, 21 people died and an additional 541 were seriously injured in a crowd crush at the Love Parade Electronic Dance Music Festival. Now that doesn't really give you the whole picture of it, so we're going to try and paint that picture. But, so, yes, definitely going to shout out Masha. So, um, Masha's one of our uh, loyal listeners in Germany. Mm -hmm. She made the suggestion for this topic and then did a whole bunch of research. That was incredibly helpful. Not only was it helpful just for having done the research, but she was able to um, use German sources so stuff that wouldn't have necessarily shown up for me on a Google search. So it, this is much more thorough as a result. Sure. So thank you very much, Masha, that this is uh, amazing. And uh, we just passed our second anniversary. So, oh, yes, we did. Which was July 17th. Cause Ch- we started, cheers to oh, us. Yes. I see. I got a bottle. It works, <laughs> works a little better. It sort of works. Um, so we... we Aired our first or released our first three episodes on seven seventeen seventeen, and we just passed that. We're recording this on the fiftieth anniversary of the moon landing, by the way, and the seventy eighth anniversary of my dad being born. I'm sure he appreciates you <laughs> plugging how old he is. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm forty two. How old could he be? Like he's at least he sixty something. Younger. He could be, but he's not. But he's uh. <laughs> but hey, for a seventy eight year old guy, he's hanging in there pretty well. Mm-hmm. I uh, hope I can do what he's d- still doing at 78. He put on a back deck to his house mm-hmm. pretty much by himself. Oh, yeah. He's very handy. Put on a new roof last year. Now he's working on new siding this summer. Well, I And was he still one, plays golf just about every day. So I was the one to um, install the door with my sister today. So yep. I'm not so sure that you're exactly like him in Well, I'm not going to do hobbies. any of those things. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying I hope I could. <laughs> If Some, you wanted to. One of us has to get 100% completion in Red Dead Redemption 2, <laughs> and it's not going to be you. No, it's not. That's true. But I'll take care of the things that we could otherwise get dinged by our HOA on. Yeah. That sounds fair. <laughs> okay. So, in our first episode, we covered the station... Nightclub fire. Yes. Um, and while this is not a fire, it does sort of harken back to that in that it is a music-related crowd disaster. Mm-hmm. So so because we've already talked through a lot of this stuff, this will probably move a little faster this time around, I'm guessing. Um, so yeah, because the only, the only part I don't know is the, the aftermath. kind of, yeah. Yeah, so. And this, this, so. this completely, and part of the reason I agreed, not that it was, solely my decision, but I agreed that we should redo it. I felt I was going, because I did not know how this Where turned out. Headed, yeah. I had something in my mind of how it was going to turn out, mm-hmm. and I kind of went a little too far, I think. On, too disrespectful? Yes. Okay. On some jokes. Yes. Gotcha. So, yeah. 
Okay. So it was probably best to redo it <laughs> from 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 both angles. Like, yeah, it's just, I was not explaining it well either. Like, well, I didn't really hard, have a great it's hard handle to exp- on the visuals. It's hard so. to explain to somebody who doesn't have the visual right in front of yes. them what they're trying to and see. And go to Instagram, um, maybe not exactly when this comes out. <laughs> It'll probably be a few hours after. But I'm going to post, like, a diagram so that, that will you can help. see, yeah, yes. and get a little bit of a visual. There's also lots of resources online, so it'd be easy to Google. Or just but. check it out on YouTube. Yeah. There are oh, videos it, of this. If you dare, it's pretty, yeah. but it gives you a good idea. It gives of you a sense of, on, yeah. Of the massiveness of what was going mm-hmm. on, yeah. So, so this disaster took place during the Love Parade Music Festival, and Love Parade is one disaster, be, or one disaster, <laughs> one word, because uh, the Germans like to shove words together. <laughs> it's kind of their thing. Um, but it, that, so that's what it's called. It, it's a music fest or was a music festival in Duisburg or held. The 2010 one was held in Duisburg, North Rhine-Westphalia, Germany. So geography corner. Duisburg is just north of Dusseldorf, it's the, if that's helpful for anyone. It's on the extreme western part of Germany, near the border of Germany, Belgium, and the Netherlands. And this is our first trip to Germany, isn't yes, it? Yes, I believe this is our okay. first German disaster. It's in the state of North Rhine-Westphalia, where the Rhine and the Ruhr rivers meet. I have heard of the Rhine. I had not heard yeah, the of the Rhine before. Yeah, the don't but, know that one. Mm-hmm. The Rhine's pretty famous. Yeah. The area is pretty densely populated and had its former glory in industry, like coal mining especially. So like most industry, it's on the decline. So that's led to, uh, Masha described the area as grungy. So it's kind of like, I, I imagine like my, it like sort of. I imagine it looks like my hometown. Messina, yeah, exactly. <laughs> or like parts of Pennsylvania or Ohio, you oh, know. Oh yeah. Yeah. The Rust Belt. Yep. So the Love Parade Music Festival had its genesis in 1989, so just a little delving into our history corner for this. Um, So, because modern German history is actually pretty interesting, post-World War II history. So the Nazis were defeated in, in Germany in World War II, so the question remained, like, what do we do with Germany now that basically its leadership is gone? Because Hitler hanged himself the whole Nazi regime fell, so what do we do with the country? Oh, allegedly. His body's mm-hmm. never been found. But he's dead. I mean, I'm not saying he went to South America or anything. Mm, well, let's hope not. Um, <laughs> he's definitely dead by now, I would think. He, he, was, he, was, born in, he was born in the eight, late 1800s. So. Yeah. Uh, so to figure that out, what to do with the country of Germany, the Potsdam Conference was held, and that was between the U.S., the U.K., and the USSR, which were all allies during yes, World were. War II took place from July 17th to August 2nd, 1945, about nine weeks after VE Day, which was May of 45. So President Truman, Harry Truman, uh, represented the U.S. because FDR had died that April, I believe, yes, like right did. before VE Day, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, Prime Ministers Winston Churchill and Clement Attlee represented the U.K. First it was Churchill, then Attlee became Prime Minister during that period, so it was just a new prime minister was elected, so that's uh, why he was the one who finished up those negotiations. Uh, and then Stalin mm-hmm. represented the original Uncle Joe. Okay. Well, because we call Joe Biden means. Uncle Joe nowadays. I didn't know that. That was uh, his. That was, that was his, his, nickname? That was his Uncle nickname, Joe? nickname, Uncle Joe. Oh, we accepted cool. uh, communism for about four years in this country. I'm I'm serious. Okay. I'm not. Okay, yeah. let's not get. No, it. I'm just I'm just saying. <laughs> Okay. That was his nickname. All right. 
So notably absent was Charles de Gaulle of France because France, you would think, would have plenty to say about what happened to Germany because it's right there. But de Gaulle was actually very specifically not invited to the Potsdam Conference. So. Plus, uh, Germany occupied France for mm-hmm. two years. So. Mm-hmm. So the accord reached by Atlee, Truman, and Stalin included provisions for reparations from Germany, uh, the disposing of the German Navy, uh, getting started in proceedings for the Nuremberg trials, the war criminal trials. Uh, watch Judgment at Nuremberg if you want to watch an old... Oh, have you see, ever seen Judgment at Nuremberg? Is it a movie? It's an old movie, uh-uh. yeah. It's it, it's quite good. There it's, is a Nuremberg documentary on Netflix right now that I've been wanting to see. Okay, but yeah, Judgment at Nuremberg. Uh, Spencer Tracy, I think, was in it. it. It was a good movie. Black and white, but like not long after the actual trials. Interesting. So, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. One of the judges is still alive. That's right, yeah. yeah. And also the denazification of Germany. Yeah. You know, they basically had to cull Nazism from culture, from politics, from everything. And then also one of the provisions was dividing Germany into four occupation zones. So if each of these four zones, one would one each would be controlled by Britain, the USSR, the US, and France. And this agreement had its roots in the Yalta Conference, which happened a little earlier that year, February of 1945, between Churchill, Roosevelt, who was still alive, and Stalin. So the eastern part of Germany ended up being controlled by the USSR. That was their portion of it. And so it became a lot different socially, culturally, and politically from the rest of Germany because it was controlled by a communist-controlled nation as opposed to a Western nation, which the rest of Germany was. In 1946, Stalin established the Socialist Unity Party of Germany, which was a merger of previous rival parties, the Communist Party of Germany and the Social Democratic Party of Germany. So basically, East Germany, which was officially established as the German Democratic Republic in 1949, was a communist country. Dividing itself from the west of Germany, rest of Germany, and the west of Germany, (laughs) and making it part of the post-war division known as the Cold War between communist uh, countries and regions and democratic countries. I know that's a huge oversimplification of the Cold War, but in a nutshell, (laughs) we're not going into the history of the Cold War. No, in nineteen that that would take all one hundred (laughs) and six episodes that we've already done, right? And still wouldn't cover it all. Now, Berlin was an interesting place because even though it was right in smack dab in uh, East Germany, parts of it were actually belonging to uh, the West. Mm -hmm. So belonging to the UK, the US and France. So, in 1961, the Berlin Wall was built. So, that sort of... It literally built a wall around the part of Berlin that was controlled by the West or occupied by the West from the rest of East Germany. And it became uh, literal, physical, and also sort of a political and cultural symbol of the divide of the Cold War. Yeah, absolutely. Especially as it pertained to East Germany. So... Mr. Gorbachev... Tear down this wall. Well, yes, let's fast forward to that. I don't quote so, Ronald Reagan very often. <laughs> but, but that was a, that was a very That's memorable speech. That's a good speech. policy in general. Yes. <laughs> 
So in the late 80s, uh, protests surrounding the Berlin Wall became very frequent because the Cold War was really starting to wind down. Yes. And the USSR was approaching its complete dissolution, right? So Poland, Hungary, East Germany, Bulgaria, Czechoslovakia, and Romania began a full-fledged revolution, which is sometimes called the Fall of Nations or the Autumn of Nations Mm -hmm. in 1989, protesting their communist rule. Just in case anybody wants to know more about that... Mm -hmm. um, Chris Hedges, who is an author, uh, he was the uh, uh, Foreign Bureau chief of the New York Times at that time. He covered oh, okay. he covered all of this. Okay. It's very interesting uh, to read. Did he um, write a book or these articles? These are articles okay. when he was working for the, uh, the New Times. York Times. Um, okay. Very similar to what's happening in the United States right now. Mm. So the Berlin Wall would very famously be demolished by the people of Germany in November of 1989. So... A few months prior to that, so in really when all of this was getting very heated up and very um, inevitable, is when the Love Parade was born. Mm-hmm. So it's just kind of important to understand how fever pitch things were. And the roots and this, of it. Yeah, and this is the culture that this event was born from. So in 1989, same year that um, the wall came down, but earlier in the year, um, Matthias Ronig was a DJ in Berlin Known as Dr. Motha. Do you remember what that means? Uh, what was it? Dr. Moth. Dr. Moth, that's right. <laughs> Motha. He was in the underground house music electronica scene in Berlin. And you did that last time. <laughs> I, I might have. <laughs> and was a, a member of multiple bands, such as, are you ready for these names again? These are fun. Oh, that's right. I, I really loved one of yeah. them. The Dead Pilots. That's good. This one you like. Yes. German-Polish aggression. Yes. And Squealer. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a uh, band name, song, and then title of album. Squealer is the band name. Mm-hmm. German-Polish aggression would be the song title. No, that'd be the album No, that's name. the... I feel like that's the band name. Yeah. Squealer is the album and the, oh, the Dead yes. Pi- Or no, the Dead Pilots is the band name. Squealer is the album. German-Polish aggression is the song. Would you I, I think that? I'm going to go with German-Polish aggression... It's hard to say. German-Polish aggression <laughs> as the band name. I like that, too, but the dead... Oh, the Squealer is the album, and the other one is the song. The Dead Pilots? The Dead Pilots sound is like the a song. song. Sure oh, Okay. Yeah. They decided to have... So, Matthias and his friends decided to have a semi-birthday party for him. Um, he was turning 29 that summer in, in July, and they decided to celebrate... Also somewhat poignant, because you got to remember, he was born like right when the wall was being built. That's true, 60. He would have mm-hmm. been born in 1960, mm-hmm. so the Berlin Wall was erected the next year. Yeah, mm-hmm. so essentially his entire life had, had been wall. spent in yeah, yeah, Never known anything and, different. Uh-huh. And definitely in East Germany. So. Uh, so they decided for his, quote, party, they were going to hold a political demonstration. And so they, they registered the party as, as a political demonstration with authorities. It was held on Kurfürstendamm which is a major road in Western Berlin. And the motto of the demonstration was Frieda, Freude, Erkuchen. Do you remember what that means? No, I don't. Peace, joy, pancakes. Yeah, so it shows you how much I paid attention (laughs) in the last one. So it was meant to symbolize um, protesting for nuclear disarmament, which was the, the peace part. The joy part was music. And the pancakes part was like fair food production and distribution. So okay. that, that was the symbolism of that. And about 150 people attended this love parade slash demonstration. 
So a few months later, the Berlin Wall came down, right? And Berlin became a hot spot for the burgeoning techno music scene. <laughs> Abandoned buildings in former East Berlin were turned into clubs, and it like really became a worldwide place for people to come to oh, yeah, for by that the, purpose. By the mid-90s, uh, techno, techno EDM was, was yeah. huge. Yep. And even before that, like um, craft work and stuff were doing a lot of like electronic kinda, yeah, music prior. Like, yeah. like really early, like quote, computer music was yes. coming out of Germany. Yeah. Like from a long, long way back. So uh, the Love Parade continued to be held annually on Kurfürstendamm. And the crowd was growing every year. So by 1996, so the seventh or eighth one that they were holding, it was clear that Kurfürstendamm was no longer a safe venue for the festival. It was too, too small. small. Yeah. The crowd was outgrowing it because the like literally hundreds of thousands of people were starting to attend. So the Love Parade was moved to the Strasse des 17 Juni. Gesundheit. Thank you. <laughs> I feel like I always try to put on a Spanish accent because that's like the, what I grew up with. So it's hard to, that was not good German. But you mean anyway. there weren't many Germans in Southern Florida? Oh, there's lots of Germans. Mostly <laughs> Were there tourists. Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> yes. There's actually a large Russian population on Miami Beach. So. Is there really? Mm-hmm. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. There's people from all that's over the true. world in South Florida. Yeah, that's true. Seriously. As Billy Corbin has described it, it's like the world's Casablanca. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> I, I love it. I love that about um, I love that about South Florida, and um, nobody should go back where they came from because that's just a fucking dipshit thing to say. It is. I'm just gonna put that out there. Okay, so uh, I, so that translates to the 17th of June Street. It's a, okay. Anyway, but that is where it was moved to in the Grosser Tiergarten. That that was like Italian. That's, no, that sounded very know. German. <laughs> Um, in central Berlin to accommodate the crowd. So it was here where the symbol of the... <laughs> this is, there's like ten German words in this one bit. Uh, Siegesaule, or the victory column. Remember the victory column? Siegesaule! You don't have to be angry when yes, you're German. Yes, you do. Yes. <laughs> in the park became the symbol of the love parade. So it was like this, this angel... Sort of, sim- I, I still have the picture. But, but like the the suddenness of German words also it, 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 it makes is you a very it makes you language. makes you feel like you have to shout it. I don't well, know. Well, maybe you. I've been doing pretty good. <laughs> um, Nineteen ninety seven to two thousand really saw the heyday, the prime days of uh, the Love Parade. Not meaning Amazon Prime days. Uh, that's, that's, with, when, that's when Moby was at his peak. Yeah, he. I'm just positive <laughs> he, was, he played. At, he probably at did. Love that that would shock me. And, if uh, he didn't. And, and BT, BT was huge back then. BT. Yeah. Actually, I like, don't know of BT. Made a really good album. It's like the initials of his first and last name, I believe. Okay. But uh, he made one really good album uh, that I heard a lot. Okay. <laughs> because I listened to some Moby, but he's also kind of a dick, right? Not, not, not anyway. That I don't know about. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't say that. Maybe I shouldn't <laughs> slag him off. Anyway, uh, so more than reportedly, and we'll get into this in a little bit, more than a million participants were attending the Love Parade in these days. And spinoff parades. Oh, I know. It's massive. Stupid amount of people. Um, I mean, I've been at a festival where there was only 100,000 people, uh, and it felt like the world was there. I can't imagine it being 10 times as many. Yeah. And spinoff parades took place over the years in different locations as well, like smaller love parades. So 
Things started to go a little bit downhill for the festival in the following years. Attendance started going down a little bit and protests started surrounding it. And these are Masha's words because she put it so well. The Love Parade was opposed because of the damage it caused to the Tear Garden, a park area, which annually was turned into a big Love Parade toilet. Since the organizers didn't provide enough facilities, one of the funnier complaints was that the heavy bases would give the animals in the nearby zoo diarrhea. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that was pretty funny. Because heavy base is all you're going to hear all day. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's all all you're going to hear. So the, uh, the, the thing was, because they were considered a political demonstration, they didn't have the same requirements that... A that a music festival, festival would, would have. have. So by 2004, like Berlin authorities were like, okay, we're catching on now. So yeah. they rejected the festival as a political demonstration. So that put more requirements on the organizers. Like, look, if you're having a festival, here's what you need to do. You need to pick up after yourselves, like trash removal, clean oh, out geez, the area. Could you even imagine that? Well, <sighs> the amount of fucking trash a million people in one place would leave Essentially, behind? Essentially, when you create such a large... Um, event, mm-hmm. you're a mini city. Like, oh, you have yeah. to provide oh, all of the utilities yeah. that a mini city would provide. That's trash removal, it's sewer, it's water, that's, that's a it's bigger electricity. Po- that's a bigger population than probably like a dozen states in this country. Yeah, right? I mean, oh, yeah. I never thought of it that way, but you're absolutely right. So, yeah. So, as a result, the 2004 Love Parade was much smaller, really more... It, it actually was more of a protest, more of a political demonstration over the changes that that the city was trying to to force on the on the parade. So uh, it was billed as the Love Weekend. So it kind sure. of changed the whole tenor of everything. And no, no event at all took place in 2005. So it was really languishing at this point because it was kind of like, look, we don't want to have to deal with all this shit with the city. Um, it's really not what we wanted it to be. So it's really petering out. And they're like, it's, it's 2004. Can we get over this EDM stuff already? Hmm. Oh no. (laughs) In 2006, the owner of Germany's largest fitness center chain. Oh, that's right. McFit. McFit, (laughs) which I love. A man named Rainer Schaller invested in the love parade to revive it. So the original organizers, including Ronig, like severed ties with the festival at this point. They're like, they're just no, like, it's just a commercial. They're, they're just like, they're just like, uh, people were smart enough to walk away from new metal. Why is this music still out here? <laughs> no, it was because they were still, that's the problem. They were still super into like the hardcore roots of EDM. It just wasn't being, no, this yeah, was all commercial. Yeah, it wasn't being represented that So you can understand, you can understand. Yeah. I mean, it was sponsored by McFit. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Literally something with Mick, like McDonald's, McFit. McMansion, you know. I'll never forget because uh, unfortunately I was not there, but my cousin Chad and my buddy Scott were. They were at Woodstock, Woodstock 99. 99. <laughs> um, but I remember watching because MTV at the time like played music and shit. Oh, imagine that. Yeah. I didn't know that. <laughs> um, so they had like pretty much coverage of the whole thing, like the whole mm-hmm. weekend. And uh, I remember there was this one guy. He was just like, he's like, yeah. He's like, it's, he's like, it's kind of hard to uh, think about peace and love and what people were going through in the '60s when there's a plane flying a Nike banner above your head. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, a lot more commercialized. <laughs> yeah, like, absolutely. And like a bottle of water is like eight dollars. Mm-hmm. Like Chad was telling me about that. He was yeah. like, that's what started to really piss people off is what yeah. the cost of food and water was. It wasn't peace and love. It was more like money and commerce. Fuck yeah. yeah, yeah. 
So a half a million people reportedly attended the 2006 Love Parade, which was the revived, more commercial version. And in 2007, the festival couldn't take place in Berlin because the city, like, didn't issue the permits in time. So there was not the go-ahead to hell hold it in Berlin. And at this point, Schaller and the other investors and organizers were kind of sick of Berlin, like between the the whole issue with, oh, it's not a protest, it's a, it's a, it's a, a festival, party, here's the shit you have to do, um, not giving them the permits in time. Uh, so they, they were getting sick of that, but... Ronig was also, oh, wait, I don't know. Oh, as Ronig had feared. I was like, why was I referring to him? Uh, Schaller wanted to commercialize it even more. So he wanted to make the festival more attractive to younger people. So to do that, he thought, like, let's relocate. Yeah, and when you come into the festival, you immediately have to do uh, 20 (laughs) push-ups. And and hit the dumbbells. You know, sometimes I wish we had, like, a little... for your your corny jokes just that you Mc, think are funny. It's just McFit. Like, McFit I can't, is hilarious. I can't, I can't McFit get, is hilarious. I can, I can see him thinking that. Oh, that's that. why you were... Oh, oh okay. <laughs> yeah, I didn't yes. get it. <laughs> okay. Per usual, I did not get you your didn't, joke. You didn't get my corny joke? <laughs> I never get your jokes. Um, so they started scouting and receiving bids from various German areas because, and cities because this was a draw, right? So... Um, well, I mean, I would think anybody who knew how to organize things, like McFit, would want to take advantage of this because I mean, yes. amount. I mean, it's an economic boom, right. to a city or region. Even yeah. if you're being reasonable with prices, it's still going to be an economic yes. boom. Mm-hmm. You know, even if you're, you know, but so, then you have to measure exactly. the upsides and the yep. downsides. Yep. So yeah, which we'll get into. Yeah, but we're gonna get into that. So they settled on the Ruhr area, which is the region that I was describing earlier in um, West <laughs> North Rhine, Westphalia. <laughs> I was like, oh, maybe it'll come out if I try it. So it's not the eight percenter yet. <laughs> As previously mentioned, you know, this was an area on the decline. So you can understand why they sort of had jumped on the possibility of getting this festival. It'd be a huge draw and a big boom to the economy. Yeah, if you offered Messina a festival right. where 250,000 people were going to show up, it'd probably be the same. We have plenty of space there, so maybe they would be able to fit them yeah, all. Yeah, probably. But, uh, but it would be like, uh, hell yeah, we're doing this. Yeah. Like, even if it's a one-off. So... The 2007 Love Parade was held, like even like it was kind of switched at the last minute. And so it was normally held in July. The city of Berlin didn't issue the permits in time, so they switched it to the Ruhr area, specifically the town of Essen, which is just uh, east of Duisburg. So this is all going to be in the same region, the, the Ruhr area. And it restored, it pretty much restored the festival to its former glory, um, reportedly attracting a crowd of 1.2 million people. Now, here's a caveat on why I keep saying reportedly. It's been asserted that Schaller actually greatly exaggerated these numbers to the tune of potentially triple the actual numbers. So it could have been more like 400,000-ish. Uh, so anyway, it, it's very possible that the numbers I'm citing are actually over. Just inflated? Yeah. Yeah. Still, I mean, even if it's 400,000 people, that's it's a, still a lot of people. ton of people. The 2008 Love Parade took place in Dortmund in uh, the Ruhr area and was the biz- biggest parade to date 
with, again, reportedly 1.6 million attendees. My guess, that feels incredibly inflated. Yeah, I mean, it's not, but it could have been still like 500, 600,000 people, which is a lot. I mean, yeah, there's still, uh, yeah, just a ridiculous amount of people showing up. Yes. I mean, how many? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't even know how you would measure that. So now by this point, there was a specific setup to the love parade. And that also sort of explains why it's called a parade, so to speak. So they had what they called or they yeah, they had what they called floats which were basically trucks, like semis, I think, uh, with sound systems and speakers that would drive along the grounds uh, along a route, like either a circuit or, or another set route on the grounds of wherever the festival was taking place, and that's why it was called a parade, you know, quote, floats, which are really just trucks, but these trucks had DJs on them. So each float had a different, like, unt, unt. So maybe one was unt, 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 and the other was unt. I was going to say, could you imagine if, if all their beats are in different timing and you're trying to figure that out in your mind? Like, like, like <laughs> They had to have been spaced out enough I'm sure. to not, yeah. I'm sure. There was pro- it probably <laughs> seemed like a fade-out, fade-in sort of situation, I would imagine. I think it would be funnier if they were all lined up together. It was just like playing different just this shit. huge, yes. like... <laughs> With, and people are having, like, Caesars and shit. Yeah, like um, like you hear about uh, windmills can cause issues with people sometimes because of the sub, like, how loud at, but low some I of the have heard about that. are, you know? I've heard that same thing, too, like, about uh, Japan anime, like, actual Japanese anime. Uh-huh. Like, because they have different uh, TV restrictions in Japan. Okay. And I've heard like J- Japanese, actual Japanese anime is just way too intense for like, <laughs> for, like a lot of people. Like, trips people out a yes, little too for, much. Yes, for uh, Westerners to handle. <laughs> That's funny. So so the, these floats would, would be kind of the main attraction until the actual main event, which was uh, like a big, they called it a rally at the end. That probably came from like the protest days when it was considered sure. a demonstration, but it was basically a final concert when they would have the the main acts play and they would link up all of the oh trucks. God, that's right. That's right. Their sound systems. So it was huge surround sounds. Can you imagine that? Yeah. You could probably hear that from like a hundred miles away. A lot of people I'm sure had their hearing permanently damaged probably. by Love Parade. Yeah. Mm, 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 <laughs> times times ten trucks. Oh my God. Sixteen. <laughs> Sixteen yeah. trucks. In the case of um, the 2010 one, it was 16 for sure. So so the crowd and event itself were actually, it was pretty peaceful for the most part. Minimal problems, um, especially considering the huge numbers in attendance. There were some arrests generally, mostly for drugs, which huge shock there. Uh, (laughs) Some robberies. That makes sense. It's probably more like... There's always going to be a couple of assholes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a few sexual assaults, unfortunately, but also makes sense, uh, unfortunately, with the crowd, probably people on drugs, there could be some, and just assholes. So. And because it was always held in the summer, there was usually issues with the heat, right? Oh, so some sure. people would get dehydrated mm-hmm. and have 
health problems. Some people would uh, get heat stroke or that's, get that's why when you see not not even at festivals, just when you see like outdoor summer concerts, there's always a guy with a fire hose just spraying it into the mm. crowd just so mm. people get some relief. Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of feel like for that reason, water really should be free. Just to encourage people to stay hydrated. Because can you imagine somebody Fuck like, no. If, well, no, but here, if, if there's like an eight dollar bottle, no, that's of water, that's what I'm saying. I couldn't imagine that. Well, no, that's what I'm saying. I yeah. think it should be free. free. Yes, yeah. Yeah, 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 as opposed to the eight dollars. Yes, yeah. yes, uh, or a dollar. I can't speak to that. Yeah. in the love parade, but no. still. Um, but yeah, that is uh, charging that amount of money for a bottle of water is fucking ridiculous. I know, and, that, and they that, do that and a lot of. That was that was twenty years ago. Yeah. Plus, um. Plus, bottled water is horrible for the environment, so it's just... Anyway, uh, but for the most part, like the... So there are some medical issues, a few legal issues. Otherwise, it was a a festival that was known for, like, fun-loving, colorful attendees. It was... It was a cool vibe, right? Everybody take some ecstasy, try not to dehydrate. (laughs) I imagine it's especially important when you're on X. Uh, yeah, I'm, like stay hydrated. I, the two times I did it, uh, I didn't really enjoy it that much. Yeah, I, I really, I, I don't know. I like to ask it better. <laughs> we are not <laughs> condoning the use of psychedelics. Um, I well, I'm not sure if it's a psychedelic. That. Acid is. I don't Acid know about. Um, I don't MDMA. know what. Ex- I think that's no up- MDMA is Molly. Never mind. Right. Ecstasy is an upper. Mm, I'm no. not sure. I don't know how that's classified actually. I don't know. All I feel is like it might make you lose some control, and that could be dangerous in a lot of settings. Yeah. Basically, children. Well, first of all, if you're under 18. If you're under 25, don't fucking do drugs. It fucks with your brain, and I'm not even kidding. That's a neurological fact. You need to look that up. What? Otherwise, friends, adult over 25 friends, if you choose to do drugs, be with people you absolutely trust be very careful and don't be around dicks, assholes, or strangers. Especially when you're on acid. Or anything. And that includes booze. Includes booze. True. Um, not that it's your fault should anything happen, but you don't want anything to happen in the first place. So be careful. Be careful. All right. And <laughs> mom, mom's <laughs> lecture. And we're, we're, we're talking to you, Abby. You're not 25 yet. No, you're not, sweetie. And... Your brain is still growing, so be careful. We want you to be happy and healthy. When you turn 25, you can do what you want. (laughs) (laughs) And your your mom listens. Your mom, who looks, by the way, like she's our age. She does. Yeah, she does. I was like, how is that her mom? I know. She looks like she's my age. Well, it's she. Maybe she might. She might be. I guess you are actually old enough to be Abby's dad. No, I'm not. That's that's just weird to even fucking think about. In 2009, organizational problems once again plagued the love parade. So it was supposed to take place in Bochum, the smallest of all the rare locations that the festival had taken place in so far to that point. But the mayor of Bochum was a smart person. (laughs) And she was like, look. We don't have a location big enough to safely accommodate the numbers you're talking about. Like, we're just not a big enough town. We can't guarantee the safety of the attendees, so we're going to turn it down. That That's super smart, super safe, super yeah, it's courageous. Just, it's just not worth it. Right. And I say courageous because the local community was pissed because they oh, were losing out on the... it's a huge influx of money. Exactly. Yeah. 
but she made the right choice. But at what cost? Right, exactly. So, um, so <laughs> Mr. McFit would probably be like, I don't give a shit. Like, if 50 people died, we made $2 million. What does it matter? Right. So, if I'm not mistaken, like, No Love Parade was held in 2009 as a result because, because the, the negotiations fell through basically with Bochum. But 2010, the next year, was a banner year for the Ruhr area because it was declared a European capital of culture by the European Union. And as Masha puts it, what the fuck is the European capital of culture, you might ask? <laughs> <laughs> I was asking. She is, she's a good writer. I gotta say, Masha, you should, you should absolutely, like, write more stuff. You're, you're very funny and very good. So it's basically a city, usually, in this case it was an actual region like an for area. the first time, right, yeah. that is designated for one year by the European Union to have organized cultural events specifically to draw visitors to sure. the area. So obviously That's that kind of cool. Yeah. And it means an influx of visitors, money mm-hmm. to the economy. So that's very attractive to any area, let alone one that could really, really use a boost like the Ruhr area. So... So McFit, <laughs> Rainer Schaller, <laughs> decided on Duisburg for the location. I keep forgetting the guy's name. I'm just going to call him McFit. McFit. We'll Rainer, Rainer, him Rainer Schaller. Rainer McFit. Rainer Shine McFit. Rainer Shine McFit. Uh, so they picked Duisburg for 2010. Negotiations began as far back as 2007. So this was planned well in advance, <laughs> although you wouldn't know. <laughs> so Judging by the plan they came up with, it's a pretty piss poor three years they spent. So neg- negotiations started between Duisburg and Lope Event, which was the corporation that was founded to be like the event planning corporation for Love Parade because of how big it was. So, so during negotiations in 2008, one of the possible locations for the Love Parade scouted in Duisburg was an old freight yard or like a, a, a train depot, an unused train depot. Um. So as plans began to really take shape in 2009, Duisburg Police Commissioner Rolf Sabin expressed safety concerns. So very similar to the mayor of Bochum, he was really largely vilified for his views. He's like, look, I don't think this is safe. We can't accommodate the numbers you're talking about. And basically everyone else was like, don't rain on our love parade. So, um, and it was so bad, like... People were hating on him so much that political leaders, local political leaders, actually called on him to resign. Not just, like, shut up, but resign. Mm-hmm. And he did. And he did, yeah. Yeah, he, he quit in May 2010, two months before the Love Parade of 2010. So so by that summer, by the summer of 2010... And probably the only time in his life he did not want to be right. Right, yeah. Yeah, he was, he was vindicated by this whole situation, yeah. as you're about to find out. Yeah. So in the summer of 2010, Duisburg was a rel- relatively desperate city and a fair amount of trouble. So at that point, they were in debt to the EU to the tune of 2.75 billion euros, wow. which is more than $3 billion U.S. So Rainer largely, McFit, <laughs> largely viewed Love Parade not as a cultural event, but as a giant commercial for McFit, <laughs> which, shocker. So basically... Um, uh, Ronick was right. <laughs> it was becoming way too commercial. So my guess is he was sort of able to lowball the town 
because they were probably pretty desperate for whatever draw they could get, especially during the year the area was being featured by the EU. They were like, we need to take advantage of this. So despite the express concerns of the now former police commissioner, the Love Parade was set to be held at that freight yard, former freight yard in Duisburg. And the old train yard was in not good shape. So Masha called it a, quote, industrial wasteland. Mm -hmm. It not only had a bunch of like... I know what those look like. Yeah, overgrowth, weeds, broken rocks, but unexploded aerial bombs from World War II, both before and after the Love Parade took Mm -hmm. place, because it had been a target during the war, right? Oh, train yard, of course. Train yards, yeah. The freight yard consists of a train station... Itself is on the north part, so like the the actual old depots on on the north. There are tracks to the east because there's a working train station to the north of the old train yard. There's a freeway to the west, the 59, um, from what I could tell. And then to the south of the depot or old freight yard was sort of a stretch of like underpass or tunnel. Uh, it's called the Karlerstrasse. In But in Masha's words, the freight yard itself, uh, her description is, quote, it's perfect when you're into abandoned places, urban photography, and aren't scared to sprain your ankles. <laughs> yeah. So this is the site that was officially chosen for the 2010 Love Parade. So because of the setting of train tracks and a freeway nearby, very logically, the main festival area of the freight yard had to be fenced off, you know, so people couldn't run onto tracks or run onto the freeway. Yeah. Um, so, so that kind of made, made sense. Uh, but that was a first for the Love Parade. I was going to say, like, yeah, they, they, it, they did well, something logical. Well, in, well no. <laughs> in the past, it had taken place in, like, parks and large open spaces. Oh, I so, see what you mean. The fenced-in part was yes, a first for the... exactly. Exactly. Not the, this would be a smart thing to do part. Right. <laughs> so as per usual, with any public event, several permits were required, but there were some complications with the permit as Jesse Pinkman leaves the sophisticated studio that is our bedroom. <laughs> so sophisticated. What's that from? It's a uh, Run DMC song. Oh, okay. She's so sophisticated. <laughs> That's so corny. <laughs> it's a good song, though. So first, the freight yard, the area, like the actual main festival area in the freight yard could only hold... 250,000 people at a time. Now, obviously saying only, (laughs) that's a lot of people, but if they're expecting like over a million. For this festival, that is an only. Mm -hmm. And and yeah, they were expecting over a million visitors because of the previously inflated numbers. The actual estimated expected crowd was closer to 500,000. So... But the Duisburg Regulatory Office wasn't too bothered by the fact that only like a quarter million people could fit in the area. Uh, the security department head, Wolfgang Robb, said, quote, the one million visitors won't arrive all at the same time, but throughout the day. End quote. So he's like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> you know, they're not all going to be in there at once. It's fine. It's They'll fine. eventually all be in there. It's essentially <laughs> what he's saying. No, he's like, not all at the same time. Like, people leave, people come, people uh, yeah, go. It just, won't be a big deal. But <laughs> I mean, just the. I know. Wow. I, I mean, I, I guess we're not the only country that has idiots running our government. 
It. Yeah, a lot of idiots rise to management. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how the fuck how the fuck does that happen. I don't know, but you're correct. I, I, I don't know. Anyway, another issue was the required escape routes. So regulate uh, specifically, like what a big concern was fire escape routes. Oh you know? sure. So that that makes sense. Well, but, especially because it's fenced in this time. Yes, yes. So regulations demanded for the event area to have escape or exit routes of a certain size. So specifically they were supposed to be 440 meters wide, which is 481 yards, which is it, it that's big. That's a lot. That's a large exit, but that's good. But the exit routes at the freight yard were only about a third of that at 155 meters or 170 yards wide. Now that's still a lot, but for the number of people, that's the whole issue, right? So because of this, Lope Event was required to hire an outside company to simulate the crowd emptying the site to prove that, like, look, this is plenty of space. We don't need what the regulations require. This is going to work. So that was kind of the the point of requiring the simulation. And they did do that. They did hire that, that company or a company to simulate this exit, but... They only did it a couple of weeks before the actual event, so it was pretty crunched time-wise. Uh, but nevertheless, the permit was granted because the Duisburg Office for Construction Law and Construction <coughs> Consultation said uh, Lope Event was experienced at putting on this event. So they're like, well, we trust them, which is a horrible thing for a regulatory office to do. And they claimed, like, look, they're, they've proven that these routes are sufficient, so we're fine with this, even though it's against regulation. They, they haven't done a dry run or anything, but mm. they've somehow proven that these are sufficient. It's horrible. So It's, it's just, yeah. Now, one caveat was that Lope Event had to have... Oh, sorry. Um, so the previous, previous um, escape or exit route was one thing... This is where I was getting kind of confused. So Lope Event had to have a a separate fire safety plan. So that was like the caveat. Like, okay, we'll give you the smaller escape routes, but you also have to have a fire safety plan in place. So they outsourced that too, which that alone is not a terrible idea. You you outsource to experts, right? So that, that kind of makes sense. One would hope. Right. The safety plan included hiring a thousand security staff, from five different security companies. And two of the companies would be responsible for safety in the underpass and, and on the ramps leading up to the um, the actual main area, which we'll talk about in a little bit. And the rest would be in the main festival area. So uh, so we're going to get into sort of how the how traffic would flow here. So the, the permit that allowed the temporary use of the freight yard is an event location to Lope event was granted only three days before the event. That's really cutting it close. Yeah, to say the least. Yeah. Per capacity restrictions, it only allowed a maximum of 250,000 visitors on site in the main festival area at a time. Remember, that was the capacity, so it makes sense. That's, That's the limit. All escape routes had to have a minimum width of 10 meters, 33 feet roughly, unobstructed by any obstacles. So that's that's generous. That that's pretty good. I mean, given the fact that there could be two hundred fifty thousand people in there at a time, that's a not unreasonable. No. Yeah. Another permit allowed the underpass at Karlstrasse 
to be used for pedestrian traffic. It was a road. So they were saying, no, that's okay. You can use, we'll cut off traffic, we'll block traffic. You can use this for basically a pedestrian walkway instead of for, um, instead of for (laughs) car traffic. Sorry, private joke inside here. Um, So Deutsche Bahn AG, known as DB, not AG, known as DB, but Deutsche Bahn was DB. Anyway, it's German. (laughs) DB is a private railway uh, company in Germany, but the sole shareholder of this company is the German government. So it's essentially state-run, right? Sure. It's not really privatized. But anyway, uh, they agreed to provide 700 special trains for visitors to the Love Parade site. So they were going to get people to the train station closest to the the festival area. So the visitors would arrive at the working train station, which was north of the festival site. So there was this old freight yard, and to its north, immediate north, was the the current working freight yard. So there's an abandoned one slightly to the south, and on the north was the... The still working one, which makes sense because they could still use the old tracks. Yeah. They just, for some reason, didn't want people to arrive at this old train station that had unexploded bombs in it, I guess. Um, But it was okay to hold an event there. That, the bombs alone are just kind of like, that trips me out. I don't think we have have that here in America. There's a, no, we don't. Um there's a term for that too, like landmines. Well, no, landmines are put no, there it's on not purpose. landmines. Yeah, um, unexploded munitions, I believe, is what it's mm. termed as. Okay. But yes, they're all over Europe. That's even that's to, even even to this day. That's terrible. They find them all the time, especially when they're building Fun. like when they're building uh, like new roads or stuff like that. Well, I imagine there are a lot of specialists <laughs> who know how to. Oh yeah. Um, not detonate <clears throat> the other thing. D. Deactivate. Deactivate. Thank you. That's mm-hmm. exactly the word I was looking for. So, so the visitors would arrive at this train station, um, and they would be diverted to either their left or their right, so the east or the west, um, to head south towards the, the where they would eventually enter. So the idea was instead of having everyone go on the east side or on the west side, they were kind of splitting up the traffic so that... There wasn't crowd issues there. Now, that's not a terrible idea. See, I think that is a terrible idea. No, but we're going to keep going to show where the terrible idea was. But now that I know more about this, because we we already covered it. Yes, we did. um, uh, Yeah. Yeah, We will see where this this logic fails eventually. So now, because the, the working train station was just a little north of where the actual festival site was, they put tarps up. Because it was an open area, so you could actually see the old freight yard from the new depot. They put tarps there. You can see that there. in some of the YouTube videos, too. Okay. They put tarps there so that people not only couldn't, like, peek and get and just, like, hang out at the train depot and get to see all the bands. <laughs> Sorry, the Super Millennial is kicking in. But um, so that they couldn't, like jump over the tracks oh, sure. and physically run yeah. to the, or walk to the... It was a safety issue. Yeah, exactly. So visitors arrived on the train. They were diverted to the east or the west, and then they were uh, directed to walk south and enter the Karlstrasse underpass or tunnel from either the west side or the east side. 
Now, the Carlostrasse was about a kilometer or 0.6 miles south of the main train station. So it's a pretty easy walk. It, it wasn't that bad. Not quite a mile. It's not like it's a short walk, but it's and, not and a when, long uh, walk. And we're showing up for a festival you already have in mind. Yeah, I'm going to be doing a fair amount of walking. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah, absolutely. That makes sense. Well, you get your steps in. Yes. <laughs> I'm a Fitbit person. So, yeah. yeah. So, so you happy. would love a festival. No, I wouldn't. <laughs> I've almost made it to 9,000 steps. I'm trying to get my 10,000 steps in today. I'm gesticulating. That helps. Somebody's going for a walk later. <laughs> no, I'm not. I've already showered. <laughs> I don't know why I'm saying that. That's so <laughs> impertinent. Okay. So, uh, so everyone... He, he, okay, the underpass, Karlerstrasse... Sorry, I skipped a sentence. So... People walk roughly half a mile-ish down to enter Karlerstrasse to the south of the main festival site. And then that Karlerstrasse, that stretch of Karlerstrasse is about 400 meters or 435 yards, which is like roughly a third of a mile long. So like, you know, you walk a ten- another tenth of a mile, basically. Yeah. And essentially near the middle, I'm trying to explain this visual. Again, I'm going to put a diagram up on Instagram and probably on a couple of our other social meets, but essentially in the middle of Karlerstrasse, there are ramps leading up to the main freight yard or the main festival area. Now, oh, let me not go off script. That would be a terrible idea right now because the super millennial is really kicking in. Okay, (laughs) the ramp on the east side was the larger of the two. So there's there's a smaller ramp. So both ramps are near the middle. There's a smaller ramp on the west and a larger ramp on the east. The east ramp was larger, so the idea was to have ingoing and outgoing pedestrian traffic. So anyone who wanted to exit the festival could exit by the main ramp, and everyone who wanted to enter the festival had to enter by the main ramp. And then the smaller ramp was an exit ramp only. So the idea was you couldn't go in that way. You had to go to the main ramp. So here's where the logic falls apart of diverting traffic. Like, when you get to that train station, you're diverted to the east and the west. What fucking good does it do? Because you're just going to converge in the same you're area. You're going to wind up doing it on anyway. The south. Exactly. That's, that's, my, that's mine. It's the, well, it's like, the, I don't get that. It's the herd mentality, what we talked about in the original broadcast of this. Mm-hmm. Broadcast. Broadcast. Like um, but yes, it's, it's going, you, can't, you can't do it this way. There would like have to just, be multiple entrances. That would have been the smarter way to do it. Multiple here's the entrances. easy way to do it. And this mm-hmm. is what I've been thinking about since we recorded okay. it the first time. You have everybody come in on this section. So you're, you're pointing to the east. Entrance yes. On you have cross. everybody come in mm-hmm. from the east. You have everybody go up the ramp to get to the main festival site. So the site. main ramp is o- an entrance only. Is entrance only. You have everybody leave. Feel on the smaller this. entrance. And then at the and end And then the everybody's festival, leaving out of the west side. But then on that... Uh, at the end of the festival, open the main ramp as an exit. I wouldn't even do that. I would just... Why not? Because no one's coming in at midnight because, like, the whole thing is done. But that's... Tr- well, I, I guess. But I'm talking about... But the most logical thing... Essentially, this was a terrible venue. But if you yes. had to do it... But the most logical thing from start to almost finish... I mean, I, I, I see your point about at the end, everybody can now use this yes, ramp to leave. Yes, because no one's getting in. But during the actual festival, you have people going in... People going up, and if they want to, going out. Those are all separate. So you're keeping the entrance and the exit completely separate. Or basically. you're keeping people moving. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So it's this. 
I know. This, it, is, it was the, a... this is like the dumbest thing I've ever seen, possibly. Yeah. I mean, it's right up there. Well, that's the problem. Like, they were diverted initially from the train station to avoid a bottleneck, only to converge to cause a bottleneck. Exactly. Yeah. That, that, because that's you a can't big have... Issue. No, I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. it makes no sense. If they had sided it off... Like put up a wall, mm-hmm. like that would have made sense. Well, no, they're all wall. Uh, there are walls. These are walls. No, no, no. I'm talking about between the flow. Oh, I gotcha. Exit and entrance yes. on the main ramp yes. are divided, or yes. maybe even stanchions would be enough. Something like that, yeah. but not have. Oh, no. ev- everybody's gonna just follow be along. No, no. You know? like yeah, that's silly. It's the MGM Grand. Everybody knows how to put out a fire. <laughs> like we don't right. need we it's don't need sprinklers. Logic. It's the poor logic. I, I gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Now there would be flow control gates at the tunnel entrances on the east and the west that could be closed off to control the influx of people coming in from the east or the west. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. Yeah. And then along the route, like, to walk into the, eventually get to the main ramp, there would be, like, some food and beverage stands, smaller acts, like DJs at tables, sort of a thing. So the idea was to sort of create a festival atmosphere. <laughs> DJs that didn't have trucks handy. <laughs> Or that weren't big enough, like smaller acts. Yeah. And I don't think that's a terrible idea. No. The only downside is it does cause more um, room being taken up. Well, I mean, the so. terrible idea is EDM. But, <laughs> well, but the, aside but, from that. Yeah. So security was not only to control entry and do security checks at the entrance, but the safety plan advised security staff to push visitors onward, if necessary, to avoid congestion. Maybe it's just me, but that seems like a bad idea. If part of your safety plan is, I'll just shove them along. Yeah, it's to anyway. assault people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. I mean, yeah, physically pushing, pushing somebody people, is that's assault. assault yeah. <laughs> so the festival area is supposed to open at 11 in the morning with the parade beginning at 2 p.m. So, I mean, that's three hours. That's a long time to let people in. I think that that was not ill-planned. No. Like, that's a good amount of pe- time. Some people are going to arrive early. Some people are going to be latecomers. Some people will be in the middle. It's not like they're all going to show up at once. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the that's where the plan fell apart. So at 2 is when the floats would start. There were 16 trucks, right? The floats that would start. And they literally are just circling around the freight yard. So that's their circuit at, at that point. And then the final rally, the final concert, would take place from 5 p.m. to midnight. That is seven fucking hours. That's a long time. This this whole thing is forever. It's like a 10-hour festival. No thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Because because we're not talking about camping at this thing. You're just there to hang out at the festival. This is in a city or town. The festivals I've been to, you also... Are in the middle of nowhere. Well, and you also camp, so... Yeah, like Burning Man and... It's like, okay, I'll go see these three bands, I'll spend four hours, and then I'll go back and... Yeah, you have a place. Yeah, and smoke some weed and drink some beers and... (laughs) You have a place, you have a home base. A place to go back to. Yes. Yes. Here, no. You're not stuck out in the middle, no. No, no, thanks. So the plans for this, this plan for pedestrian traffic through Karlerstrasse was published by the local newspaper prior to the event and comments on the article was were really critical like so civilians could see what a poor plan this was so comments included quote in my eyes this is a trap this can't go well end quote and quote i can already see dead bodies when oh, after God. the final rally everyone wants to leave the area at once Via this measly road, yeah, and, and, that, so and that person, and that like, person, what the fuck yeah, are you doing? That person wasn't reading tarot cards either. They no, were, they, they were, were reading. Looking. They were reading the fucking 
the plan. plan. Yeah, that's all it was. All right, so here's where we're going to get into the horrible stuff. So let's take another sip. We can do this. So July... Yeah, this, this, this is so fucked. Let's like, just, let's power yeah. through this. Let's mm-hmm. just get through this. July 24th, 2010 was a good day for a festival. Not too hot, not like not raining. It was clear. Perfect. So at 8.03 a.m., the Duisburg police are emailed that day to be informed that the permits for the Love Parade were officially approved. Yes, that's correct. The police were not informed. The local police were not informed that this permit went through until the day of so the morning of the festival. Now, uh, granted, the permit had only gone through three days before. Yes. But why wouldn't you not tell the police, hey, three days from now, you're going to be responsible for this event or at least involved in this event. You need to know about it. Oh, but it gets better, right? Oh, yeah. Let's keep going. <laughs> so as I mentioned, Lope Event had committed to have a thousand security staff minimum. And in fact, they actually had a four uh, or a formal list of about thirteen hundred security staff. So fantastic, right? They're even overstaffed. That's that's perfect. But only seven hundred seventy-four security staff were ever verified as actually having been there and on the job. So basically, like half of that number or close to it. So security was understaffed at the word go. Because of how they split the security staff, only 234, so like a third of those guards, uh, security guards, were on the underpass and the ramp. The rest were working the VIP area and the main stage. So further, remember the whole free obstacles thing in the safety plan? Like you have to have 33 feet of... Let uh, let (laughs) me guess, that didn't go as planned. Well, the police... In addition to take uh, to getting a late notice of the permitting, they weren't given a copy of the safety plan. So no one had anything to check against to make sure that this unobstructed, you know, walkway was being kept. So as a result, multiple police cars were parked on the main ramp, the east ramp, behind a row of construction fences, which were also obstructing the way. So the ramp was anything but free of obstacles. And further, there was a broken sewer cover near the entrance of the ramp on the west side of the underpass, which is one of the narrower parts of the of the ramp. Mm-hmm. So the ugh, you see God. a lot of this. Well, you see a lot of that staircase in the uh, YouTube videos. Yes, yes. Uh, I didn't talk about the staircase yet. Oh, you did. Oh, that's right. Sewer cover. Oh, that's true. And yes. that was that. Now that was very hastily like covered with or um a, like a perimeter was established with construction fences. But again, construction fences are flimsy. We're not talking. Oh yeah, like it's just yeah anything that could really keep people out. No. It, it, it's more just like hey, warning, don't go over to this area. Not you like you like physically you can't. can't. Yeah, exactly. So and then. Above that sewer was a, a giant billboard, which I think I even took that out of the future part. We're going to cover this. is just so horrible. Anyway. You can actually see that in YouTube videos, yes, too. You can. So down to the wire, organizers were still working on leveling the festival grounds. Remember the whole overgrown and rocks thing? 
To make the freight yard even suitable for the crowd, it took longer than expected to the point where they couldn't even open the festival grounds until an hour after planned. So literally like noon. They're just, they're literally working right up to To the second and and then beyond. And then an hour later. Exactly. Well, they didn't get a permit until three days before, so they probably weren't even allowed on the grounds. They were probably working on the prior. Yeah, that's probably true. So uh, now you can imagine... People were probably a little pissed at this, but they opened the gates at 12.02, and initially, okay, things were going all right. I mean, this is the early crowd, right? Yeah. The people who are <laughs> the the my family part of, of people who arrive way too early to all events. <laughs> that would be my family. Chad's family would be the one no, who always arrives they'd be incredibly the ones, late. They'd be the ones <laughs> arriving just in time for the crush. <laughs> they, were the, they would be the ones who would get saved from the crush because, because they arrived they were, way too yes, late. Yes, they were the part of the people that caused it. <laughs> no, they would have no. arrived too late to even be there. So, and no, anyway. Okay. So, things were going okay by noon. Everyone's starting to get in. Um, but in, about an hour later, security was like, okay, we need to like start mitigating some of this visitor inflow. So they closed up some of the control gates, actually the majority of them. They closed 10 of the 16 flow gates. So that obviously restricted traffic, pedestrian traffic by quite a bit. So that was around one and about 30 minutes later, one thirty or around one thirty, there started to get to be a backup, right? Cause the flow is being restricted. So there was an estimated 20,000 people backed up and starting to get a little pissed off because they wanted to get inside the festival. And they're like, what the fuck? It's open. It's starting in 30 minutes. Like, why can I not get onto the festival grounds? This is also very reminiscent of Hillsborough. Yes. Mm -hmm. So now this was on the west side of the underpass. So my, I'm imagining that the bulk of those, um, and again, just imagining because I'm, I'm not super clear on it, but I'm guessing that the bulk of the entries closed were on the west side because that's where the main that's backup our, was yes. coming. Yep. Mm-hmm. Now, that would uh, be my guess as well. So some people were getting so impatient that they decided to try to climb traffic lights to get up and over the underpass into the main festival area. And then even the police were complaining. They're like, what the fuck? You know, this isn't going well. Some people started to chant, the wall has to go, which is reminiscent of 89 when the Berlin Wall came down. Call back there. By 2 o'clock, which is when like the festival was officially starting, right? Like the, the floats were starting. Police asked the crowd management to make announcements to the crowd by loudspeaker to help control them, right? Like, you know, proceed this way, we'll get to whatever, you know, because as long as people know what's going on, they, they would probably tend to be a little more patient. You're going to well, get I mean, the occasional dick, but cr- crowd control, as we've learned <laughs> through several other episodes we've done, is essentially all about guidance. You yes. have to instruct what's right, going on. You literally, to a, to a degree, have to herd people into the areas where you want them to be. And there will be jerks who just don't want to do what there will be. cops say, but yeah. for the most, for part, the most people part, people are going to okay, yeah. proceed in an orderly fashion because that's if you if you cooperate, you're going to get to your um, destination faster. Right. That's that's like the whole like point, okay, this so. is the place I need to go to have fun. Okay, I'm going to go there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the cops were like, okay, let's make an announcement. But here's the problem: in the safety plan, which the cops hadn't even gotten to see, but I <laughs> see, but I'm guessing that it was 
like protocol. So they're like, look, we must have a loudspeaker system, right? Well, it was in the safety plan, but guess what happened? They forgot or not forgot. They neglected, whether it was intentional or not, to set up that loudspeaker system. So they had no way to communicate to the audience. So that couldn't even happen. So it was two o'clock. The event started, right? Like the floats start making their circuit. The music is starting, which I'm imagining the people in the tunnel can hear. Right. Oh, for Especially sure. the bass. <laughs> well, we, I, I know right. that from watching the videos. You, right. could, you could definitely hear it. Yeah. So some of the people who had already entered via the main ramps, so they had gone through the whole security process at the front. They were going up the ramp and then the floats started. So they sort of stop. Right. Yeah. Because they want to see, because it's not far no. in front of them that there you can is see no, the circuit. There's almost no space, space between yeah. where the tunnel ends and where the festival begins. Pretty much. You're right. Like, so, as soon as you come out of the tunnel, like, there it is. Right. So, naturally, everybody's going to stand there. So, you stop and you watch. Yeah. yeah. So, so people, that's... People will start to go to the side, mm-hmm. but that's going to get filled up of it. I mean, this whole fucking thing. Right. Like, it's just... It, <sighs> right. So, unfortunately... There wasn't much security staff at the top of the ramp to be like, okay, come on, let's move it along. Like you can still see, like there's room to the west, there's room to the east. Like you can you can come up and into the main festival area. Yeah. Like like part to, of the, to open up the ramp. Part of the police procedure would, was literally to push people along. Mm-hmm. Now I don't know how it works in Germany with police, but here in America, if you told police that you had to shove people, oh they they would happily they'll they'll do it without even you telling them. <laughs> Exactly. But yes, they would be more than happy to do that here. So, I mean, that, and how small of an area that is between mm-hmm. the end of the tunnel to where the festival starts. They, that's they didn't the, have much room that's to the main, do it. That's almost the main problem. It, it, it is a big problem. And to not There's have the many. sufficient security there to, again, guide people along. Well, that was the problem. So, uh, so the cops there around 2.30... Um, oh, well, actually, rather, it was a crowd manager who was requesting additional support from the police, but he later claimed that the liaison manager of the police, so, like, there was a a, a point of contact, right? Like, between sure, like, the, a, like a superintendent. The, yeah, 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 basically. Um, that that person didn't have a working walkie-talkie or mobile <laughs> phone. Now, that is a, a theme we'll get to in a minute. Yes, but. it is. So by three, because people aren't moving on, there's not enough um, security to like, okay, come on guys, let's let's disperse a little bit. Things were um, things were not going well. The top of the ramp was essentially blocked. So basically no one else could get into the festival area, which always happens in a crowd, right? The people at the front can't tell what's going on in the back. So yeah, they, of course. they didn't even know they were causing problems yeah. and nobody with, with was. With this amount of people, them. you just you can't tell. So because of that, uh, the security closed as many flow gates as they could, understanding that, okay, like the main ramp is getting backed up. We need to stop people from getting to that area just to like protect it from getting. So they were trying to control the crowd like at that point. But unfortunately, it got complicated from there. So shortly after they were reducing the flow of people coming into like the tunnel and and the main ramp area, um, they had a shift change, which the police did, which obviously caused some confusion. 
Um, and by three. Well, and for an all-day festival like this, mm-hmm. you would you would want to have this. Yes. Oh, I agree. You'd want to have a, sh- a shift change. Yes. You but, don't want the same people working the whole day. But it winds up being so fucking disorganized. It's it just yeah. It was, and the cops had no time to even organize because they didn't know it was ha- for sure happening. They had no clue of the safety plan, which a little bit of that is why didn't the cops insist on, hey, where's the fuck is a safety plan? Yeah. But but they also should have been provided it. And we know from Chernobyl how detrimental a shift change can be. Oh, Jesus. Especially when the people showing up for their shift don't know what the fuck is going exactly. on. Exactly. So by 3.13 p.m., the police and security are almost completely, like, unable to communicate with each other over radio or mobile devices. So the radios aren't working because of a defective relay. So there's actually an equipment issue there. But mobile phones aren't working because the cell networks can't handle the volume of calls. Oh, it, it's for just, sure. Yeah. I mean, if you've got at least a quarter million people, but probably more than that, like, everyone's trying to make calls recording shit so they're taking up the data streams like oh god yeah it's not happening plus Mm -hmm. we're talking about an old train yard yeah they they might have had like a tower or two maybe put there maybe in an area that has less coverage who knows but seeing as how shoddily this whole thing was put together they probably i'm sure they didn't even think of that um now police are apparently at least in germany able to request a prioritization of mobile communication so they can be like there's a way for them to say Screw everybody else's communication. To suspend Make sure we, civilian communication. Right, or at least yeah. um, uh, be prioritized over civilian sure. communication. But it, again, the permit didn't go through to the last minute. They never requested it, so it never got done. So it never got switched on. Fun fact, that is illegal here. Oh, prioritization mm-hmm. of, of, okay. Um, so the crowd manager proposes, like, look, okay, people aren't leaving. We can't talk to each other. Let's just close all the gates. For like 10 to 15 minutes, try to get the shit moving and, and go from there. So that that's sort of the plan. So at 3.50 p.m., the first police, like, so they're flow control gates, right? But now they're starting to, like, create a police cordon. So like a literal, like, hard stop. It's not just about crowd control. It's like, you're not getting past here, fuckers. Like, it's, it's, a, it's a literal stop. So the first police cordon is is formed inside of the underpass just before the, so on the west end, just before the smaller side ramp, which is an exit only, remember? So so they they create that that first cordon, and that's at 3.50 p.m. So no one's able to access any ramps from the west side, not the, or, yes, the west side, sorry. I'm like orienting myself. Um, not the not the exit ramp, not the main entrance ramp. And then at 3:57 p.m., seven minutes later, a second cordon is formed at the east entrance of the underpass. So now no one has access to Carlos at all from the east. They're getting stopped before any ramps on the west. So basically, any no one can get in, and the people who are trying to get out can't. Go and get out. Right? Yeah. They can't they can't exit Carlerstrasse. Um so police were advised to stop the inflow altogether into the tunnel and onto the ramp. That's why they started those cordons. They later claimed that there was no megaphone available to make announcements. So they couldn't say, like, hey guys, like everyone back farther, yeah, we need, don't push forward. Right. We need you to stop. Mm-hmm. 
we need you to go. Mm-hmm. And there was no... No. They actually... Let me make sure I'm not missing anything. Oops. What? I, I skipped a whole page. Okay. So I'm going to I'm gonna rewind. <laughs> I was like, that doesn't sound right. Good God, we have four more pages. We're like halfway through. Jesus Christ. Okay. So... <laughs> this... Eight percenters. Mm-hmm. How are you doing over there? I'm doing fine. Okay. So the crowd was getting impatient. They weren't hearing anything because the cops didn't have a way to announce. Uh, so they try. Now that that was still true, <laughs> even though um, I skipped a page. So they tried to break through and climb over the fences on the west side. Like, screw this. We're just gonna fucking climb over and be all punk rock, even though we're EDM people. So the situation starts to escalate. So at 4.02 p.m., to alleviate the rowdy crowd, security and police moved the west cordon. So remember, it was blocking off that exit ramp to right before the exit ramp to just behind it. So people were able to actually enter via the exit tunnel on the west side. So there was a sudden influx of people coming in that way. And uh, the east entrance was then also opened for a short time. So it was open and then and then cut off again to reduce the crowd pressure. So they were trying to again, control re- things. reminiscent of uh, Hillsborough. Yeah. Further police forces moved to the middle of the main ramp and started to control the visitor flow to and from the festival area. But because of the fences... Remember those construction fences Mm -hmm. that were there? This was actually the narrowest point of the main ramp because you can see it kind of widens near the exit towards the festival area, narrows towards the entrance of the tunnel. So immediately a crowd began to build up at at this bottleneck, but the crowd in the western part of the underpass continued to grow. So some people are getting up that smaller ramp but it's still there's still a ton of pressure against this western cordon so by 4 12 p.m the police have put up another cordon but this time closer to the entrance of the main ramp so it, it was blocking the ramp at the narrowest point so now there's like multiple cordons going on in this main ramp basically trapping people and multiple bottlenecks yes At 4.13 p.m., the police cordon at the east entrance of the tunnel is opened, so visitors from the east can now get in um, at the foot of the ramp. Now, by this point, the tunnel underpass at the foot of the ramp is getting incredibly crowded because there's a cordon there. Like, they can't even get in. Or out. Yes. nobody can. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. This is one of the things you see in the video. You see this area is very kind of open. Mm -hmm. And then within, I think, 10 minutes. It it precipitates very quickly. Yes. People trying to get in and And out out. because this was supposed to be a mode of aggress as well. Some people um, started there. So there's a narrow staircase on the west side right before the cordon. The so whole, some people whole, started climbing that staircase. Yes, and the whole bottleneck happens really so quickly. It does. It really does. But security car- guards were blocking the, the staircase, which you can understand because that was a way to sort of get through the area when you weren't supposed to. The police cordon in the West just absolutely dissolved. So mm-hmm. it was just confusion, uh, the the force of the crowd, disorientation, whatever, but it dissolved. 
So now visitors from both sides of the tunnels, uh, tunnel are converging at the main ramp, but the main ramp is blocked. Already. Yes, but because of this immense pressure from the east and the west, that cordon dissolved at 4.28 p.m. So, like, now the 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 cordon near the front of the... Um, of the main the, tunnel. Yes, it, it has dissolved. So, uh, so, by 4.30, more people are trying to use the, the staircase, right? Because, like, when you're crushed in the middle of a bunch of people and you see, like, a mode of exit... You're just trying to get out. Yeah, it, it makes absolute sense. And that's what's on, on thousands of people's minds. Right. But at this point, the police form their fourth and final cordon, this time at the top of the ramp. So again, people cannot get into the main festival area, period. It is just being blocked. And the fence near the west entrance of the tunnel is opened for an ambulance to get through. Now, how it made its way even into that area, I don't know. But immediately visitors follow the ambulance and pour into the tunnel. So it just, it causes more issues, essentially. Now, clearly because there was an ambulance on its way, everything else, this situation has just reached massive chaos, like complete critical mass. Eyewitnesses' accounts described a chaotic scene of people trying to escape via the stairs, climbing lighting towers, climbing scaffolding. There were no announcements at all to the crowds not not speakers or megaphones at that point no one knew what was going on people tried to exit and enter some some people well actually most people just completely lost their orientation they were like i don't know literally they didn't know if they were coming or going it was horrific people were having trouble breathing because of the mass and the crush of the crowd they're passing out vomiting falling, screaming, getting trampled, getting physically lifted off the ground just by the force of the crowd. One eyewitness said that several police officers were standing near the top of this narrow staircase, but were not intervening and would only let a couple people up the staircase at a time. Many civilians were, though, like trying to help and were pulling people up from the ramp onto the festival grounds, very reminiscent of Hillsborough. Once again. Mm-hmm. The inactivity of police forces was a common theme in eyewitness accounts. Not only the police above the crowd, but police in the tunnels and the ramp. Masha um, postulates that they were sort of like figuring that it was going to be a rave crowd. So so she said they were um, primed to see, quote, ravers tripping balls and climbing on stuff, not people dying in front of their eyes. And others most probably just didn't know what to do. End quote. Especially because they didn't even know this was fucking happening. I would definitely say it's probably a little of both. Yeah. And this is one of the this is one of the <laughs> few situations I will not pin it on the police because again this they, was a they, crowd control issue. They this did not bad. have their um, mm-hmm. they did not have their safety uh, meeting plan. They didn't have they, they didn't have no communication. Prep. They had no prep, no communication. You're absolutely right. And. I'm going to guess for most of these cops or security, they've never dealt with a crowd of hundreds of thousands of people. A lot of them also weren't familiar with the area because it was, they were brought in from other forces. So yeah, it was just piss poor planning is what it was. Yeah. And that wasn't on the cops. That no, was on that the was on the people. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I'm, could they have done a little bit more? Probably, but maybe, maybe, but 
were they in a position to help people? Not really. I mean, really, not really. No. So it wasn't until 4.39 p.m., which is basically like three and a half hours after things like were starting to become a little dicey, that police officials and concert organizers actually like had a conference call, a discussion about this entire situation. So according to a newspaper, one of the investigators said, quote, at that point, the disaster was most probably unavoidable. Oh, yeah. Unquote. So basically, the conference call was no help because any suggested measures, like the time had long passed for that to be implemented. So it, it was just, there was basically nothing they could do at this point. So according to police report, uh, the firefighters reported, quote, panicky movements, end quote, at the bottom of the ramp with people being overrun. So the head of the police there decided to block the entrance to the area with vehicles, because that's just what we need. <laughs> Another cordon. The police made announcements in the city's PA system that the festival area was closed to any new visitors for the rest of the day. They're like, no one else can get in this area. So at least there was that, I guess. The eyewitness accounts at this point are just harrowing. Like they already were, but... Yeah, they're about uh, to get worse. Yeah, they described the shock waves inside the crowd because you look at a crowd, it moves. Yep. There, There's actual waves. It's clearly visible on CCTV, mobile phone footage. I've, I've experienced it. Yeah. And the and, footage and you, is... And you just got to go with it. Mm-hmm. There's nothing There's nothing you can do. In a normal crowd, this is not a normal This crowd. is not, no. Like, you can go with it, but you're going to die, basically. So uh, the, the footage is readily available on YouTube. Um, multiple people, like I said, reported being physically lifted off the ground by the power of the crush. People were piling on top of each other. One witness said, quote... It was like a war, end quote. So at 4.47 p.m., oh, all those noises are Jesse Pinkman sitting on the script. So, (laughs) Organizer Rainer Schaller, McFit, (laughs) was interviewed, but like he had no no idea what was going on. He he literally offered no insight. So that. Which that is also inexcusable. If if you're the. Yes. Yes. If you're the organizer. Yes. But he literally, like, no one could communicate. So sure. it was kind of, well, I mean, although, like, two, or let's see, that was 447, like, eight minutes earlier, there was a conference call. So they did kind of know. They yeah. should have, yeah, you're yeah, right. He that's inexcusable. Known. Police, so now here's where the page starts. Police were advised to completely stop the inflow into the tunnel and onto the ramp. So they later claimed there was no megaphone available to make announcements, so they tried to make announcements by a helicopter, but the crowd noise was so loud at that point that it drowned them out. A helicopter loudspeaker. So, I mean, people were... Plus, in the disoriented state that most people were in, probably they probably wouldn't have even perceived it. People are just trying to figure out a way to stay alive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, For some reason, nobody thought to make announcements by the police vans on the ramp, obstructing the ramp, remember? Because they come with pretty good loudspeaker systems. So, but no one thought of it. Maybe no one could have gotten to it. No, no one thought of it could be the title of this episode. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, really? Yeah. 
So at one point, a police van tried to enter the ramp area by entering the West Tunnel like the ambulance had, and things turned very bad. So the the, the police van was kind of like stopping and starting moving slowly, and each time it stopped and start, it sent another shockwave into the crowd. So at this point, things were just... Like, it. this is all has all devolved into absolute chaos at this point. So by four, or at four, four, four... How many times did I just say four? At 4.55 p.m., police closed the west entrance to the tunnel, just shut it off. And at 5 p.m., some paramedics were actually able to arrive on foot. How? God knows. Yeah, fuck knows. <laughs> A police officer in the same area was finally able to use his personal his personal cell phone to call 110. So it's like, the, like calling 911. Mm-hmm. More police arrived trying to get control over the chaos, and the first two casualties were officially reported near the tunnel entrance at the foot of the ramp. I also saw that on YouTube. That's pretty unsettling. Yeah. So the police van drove up the ramp, and some people followed it up the ramp, and that actually helped um, because as it was driving up the ramp, like it sort of created a passageway up and onto the main festival area. So that kind of helped clear some people through to the main area where there was a lot more room. So, so that, that, that actually kind There's of There's a ton of room at this point yes. in the main festival area. Yes, because everyone's stuck in the tunnel mm-hmm. and in the main, in the main ramp. So yeah. And that's where a lot of the cell phone footage comes from is from the people who are already on the main mm-hmm. festival area Back recording, recording the, what's yeah. happening down down below them. Yeah. Um, so even though it helped alleviate some of the crowd, like some, it also made some people fall over. So positives and negatives, I guess. The area finally started to clear out a little bit, and eventually the ramp actually became partially accessible. So it was clearly broken up quite a bit at that point. At 5.04 p.m., more paramedics arrived, and the first victims' bodies were recovered. The rest of the area, like, slowly starts to clear up as the crowd is alleviated from closing the west entrance to the underpass. Remember, like, people were not getting in. But the situation is still pretty dire in some areas. For example, there was a large pile of people near the billboard on the west side of the entrance of the main ramp. And rescuers really struggled to help people. One of the police officers said, quote, everything was hot and covered in sweat. Our hands kept slipping off. And can you imagine? Mm. Just ugh. People were recovered from the piles by visitors, rescuers, and police. And yeah, it yeah, this is an all-hands-on-deck mm-hmm. situation. This is, yeah, yeah, whoever can get anybody yeah. out. And it wasn't until 5.10 p.m. that the accident <clears throat> rescue point set up. For the festival, per the safety plan, outside, on the west side of the area, was finally informed that this was all going down. Hours later, literally hours later, a spokesperson for the German Red Cross, who had been manning this rescue point, said that they were close to the tunnel and they didn't have much to do for most of the day. They were just like, like, this was all going down and they didn't know. So they were just like hanging out, figuring everything was fine because no one was telling them about this. Plus, once it reaches its critical point, what could they have done? 
I mean, they could have done a little, yeah, uh, but that's but yeah. that's that's about it. Yeah, I mean, there's not. I mean, yeah. By the time it gets to the point where things are really out of control, there's really nothing anybody could have done. And also during this entire day, city officials like had no idea what was going on. A liaison officer of the police for the crisis management said, "Quote until five fifteen p.m." We believe there was a successful and peaceful conduct of the festival, end quote. So literally, peop, everyone who's clueless. dead is probably already dead at this point. And he's like, probably. yeah, yeah, everything's fine. Like he literally had no clue. Yeah. So rescue efforts. So, so okay, we're at a point where now things are broken up. Things like, are dissipating yes, somewhat. Yes, some people. Jesse. He really wants to get in the bathroom. He does. I don't know why. He does like sitting on the counter when I'm in there. I don't get that at all. But anyway. So, uh, but obviously lots of people were injured and people were dead. So rescue efforts continued by police, paramedics, emergency doctors, civilians, anyone severely injured and with a pulse, a readable pulse were triaged first. And anyone without a pulse was just like considered dead on site. It was an incredibly traumatic scene, as one can imagine, for all involved, including rescuers. Uh, pastoral care workers tended to the injured and the traumatized, and they actually had to send in, like, psychological support for the police and rescue workers. Like, it was so devastating. One emergency doctor saw something positive. They said, quote, Never before have I seen so many people who helped. Everywhere they were kneeling on the ground, held the heads of injured, encouraged them, stroked their hair, and gave them something to drink, end quote. He noted that at previous incidents he had responded to, he had only seen the rubberneckers. He said, quote, in Duisburg, everything was different. There was so much compassion, end quote. Mm. So, the, like, the yeah. the people of the festival very R- much responded keeping Responded, though, in, the way mm-hmm, they should have. Very much keeping in with what had been observed in Love Parade's past, were peaceful and, like, trying to help people, well, which is I, really honorable. I think also they're all going through this together. Mm-hmm. And... It's probably helping them, too. And they're like, like they're of, like, I somehow survived this. Yeah. I need to help somebody who, which is who is in amazing. bad shape. Mm-hmm. To know. not be trained in response like that and still be able to respond appropriate, well, beyond appropriately, like, empathetically mm-hmm. and, and in such a lovely manner is, is really... Really amazing. So in the darkest way possible, the spirit of the yeah, pe- parade yeah. lived on. Yeah, it really did, right? Peace, love, pancakes. Yeah, yeah. During the rescue, the city and the love parade organizer... Oh, sorry, I skipped a paragraph. Jeez, I'm skipping so much. Okay, one witness... This is so long. One witness said, quote, We were up in the festival area and I was at a stand for drinks when five policemen. So again, remember, people are like not even knowing what's going on behind them in the main festival area. So uh, five policemen came running towards us and wanted all the water that was available. Mm -hmm. We need the water. Down there are 20 dead people and many injured. Jesus Christ. And imagine hearing that and you have no fucking clue what's going on. Then he looked around and asked, who can run real fast? I shouted, I can, 
end quote. So there's actually footage of several boys like running towards with bottles of water. Right. Like, okay, we can help. The cops are like, look, all hands on deck. Who can like get water as fast as possible down to this area? And people are like, I'm on it. You know, kids even. So that that's that's amazing. During the rescue, the city and the Love Parade organizers to allowed to allow decided to allow the festival. Sorry, I'm not la- laughing at that. I'm not laughing at the fact that my eight and a half percenter is gone. Anyway, it's gone. Okay, it's gone. <laughs> they decided to allow the festival co- to continue. They didn't want people pouring out of that area. Sure, because they sense. needed to keep this this region clear right while they were so i I agree with that you know it's actually better for this crowd to remain ignorant right now exactly as long as these people are distracted everything's kind of going to be yeah 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 i know it's horrible but it's kind of like i may right yeah i I agree with the you kind of have to keep going sometimes just to protect everybody so um although i'm guessing everybody felt pretty shitty afterwards but that's not their fault but no they didn't know they had no idea so the ramp was an absolute mess, even after everybody oh, left, even after yeah. the whole thing. Uh, <clears throat> dead bodies, the, the bodies of the people, the victims, dead bodies, that just sounds horrible. The bodies of the victims were hidden by a screen and a temporary morgue. There were hundreds of shoes and items of clothing that had literally been ripped off of people in the crush. The, the power of a crowd crush is just staggering. Yeah. Initial reports cited 15 to 20 dead, but in the end, 21 people died. I'm, and I am shocked that that is all it, it was. It is shocking, but an additional 541 were seriously right. injured. So, but thank God, like they actually. I want to say, well, Hillsborough, we know it was 96, 96. Mm-hmm. and I think the injury was 700 something. They so were, this is, I think the, I think the issue with Hillsborough was they were they crushed were, against were, a fence. They were in you know? pens, literally. Yeah, they were in pens. Love Parade, it was close to that, but there actually was a mode of aggress. Yes. So, and people were able to climb yeah, and Hillsboro, stuff, so maybe that's what helped. Yeah, Hillsborough, there was fucking no way for those people to get yeah, out for the most part. Yeah. All right, let's, let's, Ugh. let's barrel through this aftermath. This is going to be a mega, mega sode. So in the aftermath, quite predictably... The festival attendees were repeatedly accused of being partially or totally responsible for the disaster. Geez, where have we heard that before? <laughs> I wonder. That was clearly a case of poor crowd control. This is a, a deja vu for Hillsborough. It really is. The head of the crisis team, the same man who had once claimed that was no problem to control the inflow of a million visitors by blocking access, Wolfgang Robb, now said... It was the it, the whole thing was caused by visitors who had tried to force their way into the festival area, caused a panic, and led to the disaster, which is all bullshit. Even if it's true, okay, I'm, I'm going to give okay. him the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. Even if it's true, you're supposed to have security to, not to handle that. Yeah, uh huh. So, yeah. like he's even yeah, I'm with you. Like it's bullshit. I mean, it's bullshit. <laughs> but even if it is true, yeah. it's still bullshit. Yeah. Duisburg mayor Adolf Sauerland stuck to this narrative. So the, 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 yeah, it's not just the organizers. It's a fucking mayor. That evening in a press conference, he stated, quote, as far as we know the scenario, persons came to death because they climbed over safety devices and then fell down, end quote. Like, complete bullshit. Other claims were made 
that people fell off the staircase and died, but that was not supported by the autopsy evidence, which showed that death in most of the victims was due to asphyxiation, massive chest compression, Mm -hmm. and other signs of crushing. All victims likely went, this is, sorry, all victims likely went unconscious within 30 seconds to a minute with death occurring within three to five minutes. I say that because that's a really awful thing to think about. Two of the victims had been transported to hospitals, but it had been too late. Evidence of severe trauma, such as lung contusions and artery and organ ruptures were found. As well as on one of the victims, a shoe shoe sole-shaped hematoma. (sighs) So they had been trampled as well. Although, again, death was most likely in most or all of them caused by the crush. Mm -hmm. So other victims showed... Clear signs of trampling. So there was trampling involved as well. But the press conference the day following the tragedy was, in Masha's words, quote, a farce. The mayor. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's. Yep. They've already got a narrative. They're mm-hmm. like, okay, we're going to stick to this. We're sticking to this bullshit story. So Mayor Sauerland, the vice police chief, chief, the organizer of the event and the head of the crisis team, evaded all questions by pointing out that they couldn't answer due to an ongoing investigation, Um, which is ridiculous because Germany has no law that prohibits them to talk about an ongoing. I was just going to say, okay, that's the question I was going to ask. That is true here in America. Um, Stop, I need those. If they want want to answer questions about an ongoing investigation, they can. They can. But apparently in Germany they are allowed to. Yeah, fully allowed to. But they can completely, because it is a a law, Mm -hmm. if it is an ongoing investigation here in the United States, they can can just say, hey, we can't answer that. This is... Apparently they were claiming that that was the case, but it was not, so... Um, Mayor Sauerland, Mayor Sauerland couldn't even bring himself to apologize for what had happened. Not even like, uh, I'm sorry this happened in our town. Jesse, stop walking on the photos I need. Jeez, there's so many other papers. Walk on those. Goodness. Okay. We're having a crowd control disaster yes, in the bedroom. Yes, with Jesse and his papers. There you go, buddy. Good job. Um... Okay. In fact, the press conference was so ridiculous that a German satire magazine, I'm guessing sort of like Mad Magazine or something like or that. like The Onion. Right. Yeah. Took a photograph from the press conference titled, here, I'm going to show you the, Masha sent this. So this is it. It's in German, right? So, but I'm going to translate it. Well, Masha's going to translate it. So this is the press conference, mm-hmm. right? These are the officials. Um... And it said on it, quote, after Tony Hayward's resignation, BP presents their new management board, end quote. So Hayward was the BP Jesus, president, yes. ousted after Deepwater Horizon, which was mm-hmm. just, which which was in, in that year. So basically which they happened, were like. Uh, okay, what? I, I'm sorry. stop eating the papers. Oh, oh, I goodness. think he wants to leave. But anyway, the I'm sorry. When, what month is this concert going on? This is July. July. BP happened in April or May of that same year. Yeah. So it was it was basically like yeah. just stop. Oh my goodness. Go out. Go. He's like, no, I just want to eat the paper. Okay. That's all I want to do. I don't wanna work. I just wanna eat this paper all day. 
The yeah. Hate Center is really kicking in now. Oh my God. <laughs> Let's, can we just finish this? Okay. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. <laughs> So, hey, yeah, uh, Masha said she remembers this press conference and how evasive they were and how they didn't answer anything. She said she, quote, rage cried on that evening when I listened to the mayor victim blaming while all these traumatized people stumbled through the streets of the city, some of them barefoot. That was the fucking On my fucking birthday. I don't celebrate it much, but still, end quote. So, first of all, happy and hopefully happier than this birthday, Masha. (laughs) Sorry that happened. That's horrific. Um, Yeah, that's, I I can't, that's horrible. Is that something you should put on a cake? Like happier birthday with like a question mark? (laughs) I guess maybe. (laughs) I hope. (laughs) So also on July 25th, so the day after, uh, prosecutors obtained the planning and approval documents from the city of Duisburg and from the organizer, organizers for the fatal love parade immediately proceedings against persons unknown were were initiated for quote suspicion of death through negligence and physical injury resulting from negligence end quote so it's pretty clear prosecutors were not buying an accidental narrative fuck no no. anybody with more than three brain cells to rub together could fucking no yeah yeah So, to try to maintain neutral legal proceedings, police investigations were transferred to the police headquarters in Cologne, Germany. Mm -hmm. So, this was, like, taken to the top, basically, right? I'm imagining it would be similar to, like, an FBI investigation. Well, that's what, yeah, the the FBI in our country, they're the top cops. Right, right, exactly. Also, uh, I was about to read the same paragraph again. Clearly, my reading is so on point today. So in the days following the disaster, the organizers, the police, local authorities, the security expert, and the crowd manager continued to try to shift responsibility to the crowd. Of course. The whole Hillsborough narrative, right? By July 2011, one year after the disaster, prosecutors informed the public that they considered even just the approval, the authorization of the 2010 Love Parade to be unlawful. They're like, this never should have fucking taken place. Yeah. Period. Yeah. And that that is exactly right. So it took that entire year for the Duisburg mayor to finally apologize in public and admitting that he, quote, should have taken the moral responsibility earlier. Really? (laughs) Should you have? But. You're only the fucking mayor. But. He still didn't admit that he might have acted wrongly by putting political pressure on subordinates to have this parade even happen in an area that couldn't support it. I know. Let's just keep going. Um, in a lo- here's, here's the upside. In a local referendum, the citizens of Duisburg voted Mayor Sauerland out of office on February 12th, 2012. They're like, fuck you, go away. If that guy even got a vote, fuck, I know. fuck that person. Yeah. No kidding. No kidding. The British crowd science expert Keith Still was commissioned to prepare a report on the disaster. Can you imagine crowd science being your expertise? That's kind of fascinating, although probably horrible because of what you see. Yeah. According to Still, 
Planners and auditors had acted incorrectly since they had been capable to recognize the obvious flaws of the safety plan. Like, in other words, this was all bullshit. You should have figured this out well before it happened. And you still let it happen. Regular citizens were, were figured it flaws. out. You're absolutely right. So he, he was saying, yeah, so obviously the planners should have seen it. So in February 2014, charges were pressed against 10 individuals, but the district court declined to prosecute. The reasons given were a possible bias and deficiencies in the content, which um, I'm sort of gathering was sort of like um, a lack of evidence, you know, what uh, in the here in the U.S. Now, possible bias. So that was the first uh, accusation, right? Because Keith still himself had not necessarily prepared the report, but rather members of his team, which is splitting hairs, uh, frankly. Yeah. But one of the members of his teams also worked in a project group in North, North Rhine-Westphalia and therefore may have, a, a, accusing was anyway, a beef against the organizers because of this hometown connection. So, And then deficiencies in the content or lack of evidence because German reports have different requirements than British reports. And they claim that the style of the Stills report was considered, quote, flippant. In other yeah, words, like, like a, a, a stylistic difference. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, also, the event manager was pissed off that Stills allegedly had publicly said that the crowd control planning had been, quote, mathematics for beginners, <laughs> end quote. To fucking now, say the least. And, and he also said that his four-year-old son could have come up with better calculations. Now, the event manager said Still had spoken disrespectfully about defendants by saying that, right? Like, basically, he was like, a kid could have figured this shit out. But, but the problem was, it really was math for beginners, because crowd control had been calculated assuming that the entire main ramp would be used for entry. That was not the plan. That the wasn't plan the plan was half for entry, half, half for, for exit. exit. So, as opposed to two-way traffic. So, they literally multiplied the capacity of the ramp by two, which is basic math. Mm -hmm. Like they, that's how fucking stupid they were. So the objections to the prosecution were denied. Fantastic. Wonderful. Prosecution can continue. The regional higher court vindicated Keith still stated that his report showed no flaws in content or methodology. So he was, he was uh, vindicated. The findings in the report were allowed in the trial. So great. The main hearing against 10 defendants, which were event organizers and city staff, started on December 8th, 2017. Wow. Yes. Seven and a half years later. Talk about dragging something out. Expert witness Jürgen Gerlach, that's a German name, said the police cordon was one of the reasons for the disaster, but no police were charged in this because the statute of limitations had passed. Well, and I also agree, even I, if it I hadn't, did too. yeah, they were not. It wasn't. They were not put in a position to succeed. Yes, however, devil's advocate, like in the situation, maybe they should have realized that a cordon could cause more harm than good. Just saying. But again, they had no communication. Yeah, no, so I, I gotcha. But. I'm I'm fine, not for this reason. Mm-hmm. I'm fine with police not being charged in I this because... I think it should have at least been able to be investigated, but, sure. but the statute of limitations basically passed. Right. So the mayor of Duisburg did have to testify in hearings 
But he still refused to take responsibility. Of course. Like, he's got to just, yeah, of Now, this is, this is according to Masha. I'm going to quote her directly. This is going to contain a very strong word, much less strong in Europe, I think, than it is here in the oh, U.S. Is it the C but, word? Yes, it is. Oh, yes. According to Masha, quote, the judge basically told him that he is a cunt. Not quite as bunt- bluntly, though. <laughs> End quote. So, basically, the judge was like, fuck you. So, good. Even though yeah, he, that is good. Even though he like he didn't have any charges pressed against him, nothing happened to him. So, mm. Other than getting ousted, there was that. The court determined the liability of each of the individual defendants was minimal. And with the agreement of the prosecution, charges were dropped. <laughs> but three of the defendants, all organizers from what I could tell, disagreed. They're like, no, no, no. Don't drop the charges on us. We want a we want a sheer acquittal. Oh, okay. Um, and as far as I can tell, that matter is still ongoing. I didn't see anything about the resolution to that. Probably, so, yeah. Something like that would get drawn out. the The end result is that no one has been held responsible right. legally to this yeah. day. Sound familiar? Maybe thirty years from now. <laughs> sounds sounds like America. Maybe thirty <laughs> years from now, like Hillsborough, <laughs> it'll happen. Who knows? So the ramp has been rebuilt into a memorial. Okay, good. Every year on the night of July 23rd, the night before the anniversary of the disaster, there's a celebration at the memorial called Night of the 1,000 Lights, where everyone can participate, bring flowers, and light candles in memory of the dead. And that, my friends, is the long, frustrating, horrible story... Of the Love Parade disaster. And, and of course, nobody held accountable. No. Um, yeah. It, yeah. All because of money, 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 money. Money. Well, and, well, not necessarily, I mean, I think That's partly. That's blinding everybody to well, this. Well, like, it's worth it. A lot of that, but also. Just incompetent. These people got together right away. They had a story, and they're like, we are going to stick to this story, and we are going to, and some people will be convinced by it. Um, You know, that's that's why the stories like the Humboldt bus crash, where the guy, like, stood up in court and was like, I fucking did this, do what you want to me. Like, just, just, I did it. It is such a sad statement on our... On our modern culture, and this is not just America, this is everywhere. It seems like it's worldwide That nowadays. when somebody takes responsibility, it's like a checkbox in their favor. That should be the default. Right, that should just be... Yeah. So here's, here's a challenge but it's, for... But it's really never been like that. But, let's, but here's let's, a challenge... Let's face it. Here's a challenge for all of our listeners. If something happens at work, whatever... Um, that you could potentially get away with or just fess up to. Fess up to it. Like, yeah. don't be the dick who lets someone else to t- take the fall or who doesn't own up because it's a character issue. Like, it is an actual character issue. The only thing that we have as human beings that separates us <laughs> from just, like, literal animals. Well, we are literal animals, but is is the fact that we have a potential moral compass. Like, don't be the dick 
who can't take responsibility for their own actions. Right. I can't fucking stand that because the uh, it enrages me. It absolutely enrages me when people can't just be fucking honest and say, I fucked up. Because you know what? We all fuck up. Yep. And furthermore, we're all more likely to forgive someone who fucks up than someone who fucking lies. Mm-hmm. That's that's one of the worst things a human being can do is just yeah, I had to, be I had deceitful. To, I had to do that at work a couple of years ago. So be be untruthful? No, no. Oh, fucking, fast like, up. like just fucking like I fucked up. Ugh, it's so hard like, to do. I don't deny that it's hard uh, to do. But that's that's where your character really shows when you fuck up and you take responsibility. Well, it was for like it. it was like we were potentially we thankfully didn't. We were potentially going to lose a mix. Oh, and that's it was bad for your work. Yeah, there was no point. Not that it crossed my mind to oh, I'm going to fabricate something anyway. Mm-mm. But everybody knew which floor I was on, and yeah, everybody knew it. Okay, fair Every, enough. So it was just, but, there was but, no point. But that's the thing is that even if there is a quote point. Right. Integrity is what you do when you could get away with something, yeah. but don't do it. Yeah. Like, it really is. So. No, I, I freaking, uh, I left, I left the fucking mixer lid open mm-hmm. when I shouldn't have. And a bunch of shit poured out that shouldn't have. And it was my fucking fault. And, and I, I knew it as soon as it happened. And I've had to do that at work, too. I mean, I, 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 I do people's taxes if I fuck up, yeah, you have to tell them. I, not only do I have to, I have to take financial responsibility for yep. it in some cases, and that's why I have and insurance. You have. And you have. <laughs> I sure have, and it's it's just like there's you. As human beings, we have nothing if we don't have our integrity. I mean, I'm sorry, we just don't. Because what is fucking separating us from just being apes? You know, yeah, well, seriously. True. It's our character, it's our integrity, and the fact that people, like, literally blood is on these people's hands, and they can't even say, not even cop to it, not even, like, or not even apologize for it. That's the worst part. Like, at worst, these are are people who visited your town trusting they would be safe. All you would have to say. Why couldn't you just say, I'm so sorry for the loss? If I'm the mayor's chief of staff or his Mm -hmm. PR person, whatever. I would say, here is what you say. I reviewed these mm-hmm. with our safety experts, with our people. They said that this was the plan. I am not in the position of planning safety. I rely on these people, so I trusted their word. No. But, no, 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 I'm no. saying, I'm saying this, this is the PC way to say it, but I feel sorry for everybody's loss and I take responsibility for here's it. Here's what I would say if I were the mayor. I'm the mayor of this town. This happened in my town. The buck stops here. I cannot express how sorry I am that these individuals lost their lives on our soil. It is an absolute travesty, and I cannot express my sorrow and my my absolute grief for their loved ones in this time. And uh, we will we will review absolutely everything to ensure that nothing like this ever happens again in our town. Yeah, that's coming from a human being, not a politician. Well, that's what I'm saying. I, I'm, I'm, giving, I'm giving the politician <laughs> You're slant. You're giving the political slant. I get it. But but yeah, it's anyway. Th- we've gone on for two hours. Holy shit. This has got to be our longest episode. It probably is. I'm <laughs> so sound, ready for it to be sound, done. You sound like Moira Rose right we've, there. <laughs> it probably is, David. <laughs> but um, like... This is also the second time we've done it. We've been talking about this for, for four, four hours. hours. <laughs> Can we stop now? 
I yes. I'm I'm done. Because it is I'm done. Let's let's yeah. seriously let's very, wrap this it's up. It's very tragic. Thank you, Masha, for, yes. for this. We're not saying we're here. done with you. No, you did fantastic in this. We're saying like we're emotionally exhausted. Yeah. So this was the 2010 Love Parade. Disaster. This has been another episode of All Bad Things. I'm David. I'm Rachel. We'll see you next week. And that's it. Yep.